You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Welcome to another exciting edition of Grab Them by the Pod. I'm Kevin with Jesse, and we've been away for a while. We've been doing that lately, and that's because we are two busy people. Jesse's been busy with his new pursuits uh, on our Planning and Zoning Commission. I'm on the Board of Education. We get a little busy, but nevertheless, we've got a lot of exciting stuff for you tonight. So, Jesse, tell us what you've got. Well, last Friday, I didn't do that much work, and I, I hope my boss doesn't hear that. The reason why, I was on Twitter all day following the developments going on with Mike Flynn. Lots of stuff popping up there. And on Friday, uh, Mike Flynn, who, by the way, is the former national security advisor, pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI. And as part of the plea agreement, Flynn has agreed to cooperate fully with Bob Mueller's uh, investigation into Russian interference. Uh, and the charge he's facing carries a maximum sentence of five years in prison. So all I have to say is lock, lock him, him up. up. Oh, boy. <laughs> I couldn't wait to say that when all of this came down last Friday. And, you know, if this is not sweet, sweet retribution, I must say, you know, after, of course, last uh, August uh, 2016 at the Republican National Convention, when Mike Flynn, the close advisor to candidate Trump, said lock her up uh, in reference to Hillary Clinton to to have the chickens come home to roost has been uh, quite, uh, quite sweet to see. When you do things like that, you're really just asking for karma to come and bite you on the butt. Is really what it is. So according to documents that were filed by Mueller, uh, Lynn lied when he told investigators that he did not ask Russian ambassador, former Russian ambassador, I should say, uh, Sergei Kislyak to refrain from escalating the situation, quote unquote, uh, in response to sanctions that President Obama had levied against Russia in response to meddling with the election. Remember, this is why he was fired after 24 days, because he lied uh, to VP Pence. Uh, He also lied to the FBI, but that's another story. Uh, so the question is, who in the Trump administration knew Flynn was misrepresenting uh, the content of these calls? Uh, the word on the street, so to speak, is that uh, Flynn spoke to a senior official in the Trump administration uh, transition team uh, about what he, what he should and shouldn't communicate to the Russian ambassador during calls. Um, prosecutors are also saying that a very senior member of the president's transition team directed Flynn uh, to contact officials from foreign governments to you know, persuade them uh, to, to vote a certain <coughs> way in, uh, on a U.N. security vote. Yeah, yeah. Jared Kushner is the name that's popping up there. Uh, yeah, I mean, the options are not very... Very, not very wide. It, it, it's Kushner, it's Donald Trump Jr., uh, or it's Donald Trump. And it, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, where this Mueller investigation goes next. Well, you're right. And, you know, something's going to happen. Information is going to come out here. I mean, Mike Flynn is a canary ready to sing. He's facing five years in federal prison. So I can imagine that he'll give up a number of people to try to benefit himself. Why not? He's got nothing to lose. I mean, the White House is playing it cool, saying, oh, you know, uh, this is no no news to us. Uh, this is why we fired him. Uh, we think it's great. Uh, nothing comes back to Trump at all. Uh, but general consensus, like you said, is he's, he's giving somebody up. Uh, Mueller could have charged Flynn with a lot more, but he let him take a plea. Why do you let somebody take a plea? You let him take a plea because you're going after a bigger fish. Uh, and there's only so many bigger fish out there. So the question is, again, when, when's the next domino going to fall? Um, are we getting too excited? Are we expecting too much? I mean, we all saw what happened uh, when that kind of false report came out, or, or not false report, but a, a misreported uh, story came out that he was going to testify that he was directed by Trump, and it turns out it was you know, a little more benign than that. 
So, you know, we don't want to put the cart before the horse here. You're right. We don't want to do that. But the difference here between some of the previous um, arrests that have been made, such as Paul Manafort or George Papadopoulos, is that those folks were they were advisors to the president. They were in the president's circle for a period of time. And of course, Donald Trump downplayed that, you know, that these people were not, you know, they weren't that important to his presidency. However, he can't say that about Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn was one of his earliest supporters. He was in the inner circle of the campaign and basically had his pick of what role he wanted to play in the administration. And then, of course, was let go after 24 days for lying. And, and now we see that he is guilty of lying to the FBI as well. So he can't downplay this one. And I am sure that well, Flynn has information on people higher up. They, they can't, but they're trying still. Nonetheless, they, they put out a statement saying, you know, short, short time uh, Trump administration official and former Obama you know, officials. Like, no, no, no. Obama told Trump not to hire him, but they're trying to push this on Obama because I guess it worked for him in the past. Why not keep going at it? But it's, it's really just ridiculous. Trump is screwing himself as always. Uh, he tweeted after all this going down that uh, I had I had to fire General Flynn because he lied to the vice president and the FBI. And you know we knew, as we said earlier, that Trump was aware of him lying to Pence, but we weren't aware that he was lying to the FBI. So if Trump knew that Flynn had lied to the FBI and then waited a couple you know a couple of days later and then asked James Clooney to drop the investigation, uh, it could amount to obstruction of justice. Uh, even though apparently Trump's lawyer, who they're now saying actually wrote that tweet and tweeted it, which is ridiculous, is uh, trying to say that uh, Trump can't be guilty of obstruction of justice because he's the president. And it always brings back the, the line from the Frost-Nixon interviews where Nixon said, you know, when the president does it, that means it's not illegal. Um, and by the way, obstruction of justice was one of the uh, charges levied at Nixon. Yeah, so, Nixon, you know, of course. He's not a good Nixon, company. of course, was famously paranoid that forces were out to get him, and so you know maybe that's apropos here as well. Trump's lawyer John Dowd told Axios that, and I quote: "The president cannot obstruct justice because he is the chief law enforcement officer under the Constitution's Article Two and has every right to express his view on any case." Not sure I'm buying it though. And by the way, much like Nixon, would you really be surprised if you found out Trump had an enemies list somewhere? Uh, uh, I, I guarantee just, you know, he's, it's kind of, you don't watch Game of Thrones, but he's like, are you just repeating the names at night, probably Trump when he's sleeping, of all the people who have wronged him? Uh, it's, it's he, he lives in a twisted world where he's the um, he's the one that's abused, and it's just on the fact. So we're going to keep watching this story, see what happens next. Um, it really kind of became a feeding frenzy uh, on Twitter, uh, on all the news stations on Friday. And now that you've kind of chummed the water, we're all kind of having having that bloodlust and, and going nuts wanting more. Uh, and I think we have to just sit back. You know, Mueller will do what he's going to do at his own pace. Let's not go crazy. Right. You know, we've we've kind of been fretting the fact that it's it's taking so long. Why is it taking so long? But when things come out, they're big. So we see that the investigation is working. It's happening behind the scenes. It's better to take the time and do it right than to speed it around to get results. So, and, and by the way, while this was happening, um, it was really overshadowing 
I mean, if you, I guess you can call it a win. Uh, it would be the first real win uh, for the Trump administration, although we're not there yet. Around 3 a.m. Saturday morning, I, I guess it's not Friday night, Saturday morning, uh, the Senate passed their version of the tax reform legislation, which is basically paving the way for it to become law. The House had passed uh, their version um, a, a little while ago. So the senators voted 51-49 to pass it, with Senator Bob Corker uh, really being the only Republican to vote against it. So just remember, all those Republicans like McCain and Collins and Murkowski uh, that we really praised uh, back at the healthcare fiasco, they all just gave everything up and and you know, I don't want to say it sold their soul, but they 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 gave their vote because they got something back from Mitch McConnell and uh, they, it kind of uh, you know, I can't say I'm happy with them like I was. Previously. Well, you know, Jeff Flake, to get perhaps back in the good graces of bipartisanship, today donated $100 to Doug Jones for Senate down in Alabama, <laughs> writing country before party in the memo line of the check. So, you know, perhaps he was feeling a little guilty about still voting for this tax reform bill. These guys like Jeff Flake, I really can't understand. Like sometimes the things they do and they say, I'm like, finally, someone's doing exactly what he said, country over politics. And then other times Jeff Lake goes and votes for the tax bill. So I, I, I don't know what's going on. These guys must be conflicted. But when they're not running again, what do they have to worry? Do what's right. We, we've talked about this bill in the past. Uh, the bill would permanently cut uh, corporate tax rates from 35 to 20%, but only temporarily cut uh, taxes for you and me, the regular guys, through 2025. And the bill also repealed the ACA individual mandate. You know, let's be honest here. This bill is really just a gift to corporations. It's a, it's a gift to, to rich folk. And you know, there's nothing wrong with being rich. Uh, you know, I'm not looking down on anybody because of that. Um, but you and I, Kevin, uh, most of our listeners, we're going to see some savings next year and, you know, we'll be happy, uh, but in the long run, we're really just getting screwed and, and the Republicans know that, but they don't care. They just wanted to pass something, pass anything so they could say that they accomplished something. Yeah. I always hearken back to, what was it? 2003 or four, whenever the, the Bush tax rebate went into effect and we got a couple hundred bucks and then the national debt yeah. just increased by trillions of dollars, you know, so it's. We have to be more forward thinking of what's going to happen with this in the long run. We can't be living just for the now. You know, somebody has to think ahead. And you, you're sure right when you say that this is a, a gift to corporations. That's exactly what this is. The people on the highest income bracket stand to benefit and the rest of us. Well, whether we like it or not, take the hit. Yeah, I was reading the latest review from the uh, nonprofit, actually the nonpartisan tax policy center. And they really went into this and said that you know the average uh, tax cut would be like twelve hundred dollars in 2019, but most of that again is going to the highest income households. Uh, by 2027, nearly all of the bill's individual income tax provisions will expire. The average tax cut would shrink to less than three hundred dollars, and the tax benefit would be even more skewed towards the highest households. Uh, you know, in 2019, if you make between fifty and eighty-seven thousand dollars, which they consider middle class these days, uh, you know, they'd see an average cut of $840 or 1.4%. And those making 750000 or more will see a savings of 28000 and that's about, I think, 1.8%. So that's not a huge difference. Fast forward to 2027, low and middle income households, which is the majority of people these days, uh, would pay roughly the same amount on, this tax, on their taxes as they would have 
basically Congress had done nothing. But uh, look at, again, those people making uh, 750000 or more. That's the top 1%. They're going to be saving $27,000, and the top 0.1%? They're going to be saving $182,000 or 1.7% of their after-tax income. That's a lot of numbers I'm throwing out at you, uh, and I'm sorry, but you just have to see that within the next 10 to 15 years, uh, we're not going to be saving bupkis. It's the folks that I guess people aspire to be, which is why uh, they support things like this, that are going to be saving lots and lots of money, people like the Trumps. Well, what surprises me, and I guess it shouldn't, is how bold – our members of Congress, particularly the Republicans who passed this through, rushed it through, uh, were in thinking that th- this is pretty open knowledge that now we're all seeing here. It's it's not a secret that this is going to benefit the wealthy, and they just don't care. And their supporters really didn't get away with it. I mean, they basically said that they owe their donors this bill. You know, those are the rich people. So, you know, we don't have this passed yet. So now the House and the Senate have to take some members and go to what they uh, call a conference committee and uh, come up with a bill that they both like and then both places will uh, revote. Which means there is a chance that this still does not pass. So if you are upset. So you're saying there's a chance. So, folks, if you really are still unhappy, as Jesse and I are with this tax reform bill, there's a chance that it still doesn't pass because it has to be reconciled in conference committee. And if they cannot do that, then the bill's dead in the water. So if you're really unhappy, call up your members of Congress, call your senators, tell them why this is bad. There's a chance that it still doesn't make it out of conference committee and all hope is not lost. Although, sadly, I think we have to rely on the, the crazies of the crazy, like, like the people in the Freedom Caucus to be like, yeah, it's not conservative enough or it's not saving enough money. And, and for them to not vote on it, you know, despite themselves. Uh, unfor- unfortunately, I think this is uh, going to be passed. Uh, the craziness of this is just the transparency. So there was no transparency here, regardless of what Mitch McConnell uh, has to say. The bill was being amended and rewritten hours before the vote. Members of Congress were like, we're voting tonight, and I still haven't seen this. Uh, a list of amendments was circulated among uh, lobbyists before the Democratic senators saw it. Senators finally got it like at 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, it was in a non-searchable PDF, so they couldn't look for certain provisions. There was writing in the margins and cursive half the time that was unreadable, that they wanted to add stuff in there. It was just insane. I mean, people like to you know, quote Nancy Pelosi, oh, you know, you have to vote for the bill to see what's in the bill. But this is not the same as that for whether you like or don't like Obamacare. There were lots of hearings and lots of town halls on that. This one was literally voted on and pushed through in the middle of the night when nobody was paying attention because they wanted to get anything done. Well, and Mitch McConnell said that this was done with regular order and that the Democrats had plenty of notice. You complain about process when you're losing, and that's what you heard on the floor tonight. I would like to hearken us back to the year 2009 when Senator Lamar Alexander of Tennessee told Fox News that his Democratic colleagues were, and I quote, thumbing their nose at the American people by ramming a partisan, uh, ramming through a partisan bill, excuse me, in the Affordable Care Act. Also, then Indiana Governor Mike Pence on Twitter saying it's simply wrong for legislation That'll affect 100% of the American people to be negotiated behind closed doors. If that's not the pot calling the kettle black, I don't know what is. Well, surprise, surprise. There's a lot of hypocrisy uh, in Congress, especially on the the right. Uh, 
we should not be surprised, but, you know, it's been exposed to people, and there's really nothing they can say to that. Uh, by the way, uh, the uh, Congressional Budget Office says this is going to increase the deficit by $1.4 trillion over a decade. That's uh, the Party of Fiscal Responsibility passing something that's adding that much. Even though people like Steve Mnuchin want to try to say it's going to save money, any, any place that's reputable says the opposite. He's living in a fantasy world, and uh, the Republicans simply mm, just don't care. Who to believe there? Hey, you know, uh, Steve Mnuchin was a producer and investor in Suicide Squad, so I definitely believe in okay. him. Okay, was that before or after he was taking not. private jets? <laughs> with his with his wonderful wife, who uh, just does not care. So all of this is leading into one more fight by the end of the year uh, to try to potentially stop a government shutdown. Last week, Trump was going to meet with both the Republican and Democrat uh, leadership to figure out what they can do. Can they come up with a deal? Uh, and then he decided to tweet out meeting with Chuck and Nancy today uh, about keeping the government open and working. Problem is they want legal immigrants flooding into our country unchecked, are weak on crime, and want, and want to substantially raise taxes – by the way, which is what they just did. Um, I don't see a deal. So, you know, Pelosi and Schumer are like, screw that. We're canceling this meeting. Uh, we're not going to meet with him if he's going to just look at it that way. So they're going to give it another shot this Thursday, and hopefully uh, everybody can keep their cool. Uh, the Democrats basically tweeted out that they hope the president will go into this meeting with an open mind rather than deciding that an agreement can't be reached beforehand. If Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi ever tweeted out a message that said, meeting with little Donnie boy, he would have an, Small hands would have Donnie. an absolute conniption fit. Oh, my God. Uh, the, the GOP really wants to pass a two-week bill and uh, then deal with it again towards the end of the year just to avoid government shutdown. And this is the time where uh, they need Democratic votes to get this passed. And uh, they have – the Democrats have some leverage here, whether it's adding things in about uh, getting chip reauthorized, uh, you know, DACA legislation, things that uh, we shouldn't have to be fighting for because it's not crazy. Uh, they can now push – you know, that this stuff gets in, included or the government shuts down. And then uh, the Republicans can try to blame the Democrats if they want, but the Republicans have a majority in both chambers of Congress and the White House. So I don't really know how they can tell the American people it's a Democrat. I don't know either. And yet, sadly, there's a percentage of this country that would believe it regardless of what truth is. So I'm now into some stuff from last week. Uh, I had written this down when we were going to be uh, originally recording this last week, and it, it got bumped. But I really wanted to leave it in here because uh, it, it really angers me, and I'll talk a little bit about this later on in the show. Um, but lately, Trump's just been being more offensive than usual. Uh, last week, Trump went on a Twitter spree and retweeted a series of videos that supposedly show violent acts of Muslims. Uh, these tweets were first sent out by the leader of an ultra-nationalist party in Great Britain. Uh, her name was Jada Franson, and by the way, she was convicted of religiously aggravated harassment in the past. Uh, Britain First is basically the British KKK. It's Britain a party, First? If sounds awfully familiar. America mm. First. Yeah, hmm. I wonder where Trump got his stuff from. Uh, they build themselves, you know, as a multiculturalist group that wants to preserve traditional British culture. So, you know, read read into that uh, what you will. Traditional British seems culture. they'd fit in well with some elements of this country. Really, the fact that the president of the United States is retweeting these lunatics—it's—it's it's, it's ponderous. I, I can't believe this is happening in in my lifetime. And to me, and this is what really sets me off is. 
Sarah Huckabee Sanders, when asked about the validity of these, uh, she replied, whether the video is real, the threat is real. His goal is to promote strong border security and strong national security. So good God, the White House is basically championing, championing uh, I can't even talk, I'm so angry, propaganda and real fake news, real false information to help their cause, uh, the ends justify the means uh, for their sake. It, it blows my mind. It yeah, really see, my mind. Uh, Sarah, the threat is not real. If the facts are not real. I'm not saying that there's not uh, extreme Muslim terrorism in parts in the, in the country or extreme parts of the world. But, you know, to use these things and to use these that may not even be true or that are set up to try to push your agenda here against a particular group of people in America. I mean, that's the most un-American thing I can think of. This is, as they call it, the melting pot. This is where people, I mean, we, we went into when, when the whole uh, travel ban was, was being shut out there, what it says uh, on, the, on the Statue of Liberty and, and what we think of uh, as being American. And Trump would rather just crap all over that, and uh, I, don't, I don't like Muslims, and I'm going to do whatever I can to get the country against them. You know, we already knew uh, that this was the way the White House felt, but it still it, it pains you to hear it reiterated time and time again. I wanted to double down on ridiculous and frankly crazy comments. Uh, Trump also felt the need to imply that host of Morning Joe and former Congressman Joe Scarborough was somehow involved in the death of one of his staffers back in 2001. Uh, Trump tweeted out because he was pissed at what Joe was saying on his show. Uh, Will they terminate low ratings Joe Scarborough based on the quote-unquote unsolved mystery that took place in 40 years ago? Investigate. What the hell? Just to add, add, add a little background to this, um, they're talking about a girl named uh, Lori uh, Klausudis, if I'm saying that name correctly. It was 28 years old, uh, an office staffer that worked for, for Scarborough when he was in Congress, and she was found dead in his district office back in 2001. Uh, a local medical examiner ruled that her death was an accident. Uh, she had an undiagnosed heart condition, which caused her to collapse, hit her head in the desk, and that resulted in a fatal blood clot. And for the president to be insinuating uh, that an American citizen was responsible for someone's death, you just basically to, to get back at somebody he doesn't like, it, it, it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy, but not surprising considering the man's only newspaper is the National Enquirer. How would you feel? You know, I don't want to go there, Kevin, but you have children. If something unfortunately were to happen to them, how would you feel if the president of the United States was using them as a prop, their memory as a prop, simply just to go with somebody they didn't like? It's, it's sick. It is. Uh, there are certain things that you leave alone, and this would seem to be one of them. But we can't put that past him because he's not above, you know, petty bickering and partisan politics. And we're seeing it once again. He doubles down. He gets crazier. And Oftentimes, it, it would seem to be to take the attention away from the real issues that matter, you know, i.e. an investigation that's getting awfully close uh, to him. And, you know, let's just go for the trifecta of offending people last week. Uh, Trump found a way to insult people who's actually supposed to be honoring. Uh, there was an event at the White House honoring World War II Navajo code talkers, and you know, Trump could not resist bringing up Elizabeth Warren and calling her Pocahontas. Uh, the comment was met with silence, as you'd imagine. Uh, you know, by the way, this all stems from Warren's 2012 Senate run against Scott Brown. I guess in the 90s, Harvard uh, Law School touted Warren, uh, who was a professor back then, by the way, um, as being Native American. Warren had claimed that she was part Native American due to family stories uh, telling her this. 
Um, you know, it's, I, I gave her crap back then for it too. Um, but you know, it's, it's not really worth bringing up. Um, and by the way, to add insult to injury, the president, the presidential portrait behind Trump during this event was Andrew Jackson, who's responsible for the trail of tears in the Indian uh, removal act. I mean, Kevin, you're the history teacher. Do you want to talk a little bit about the trail? Of sure. Tears yeah. Back in 1830, the Indian removal act uh, signed into uh, effect by Andrew Jackson removed thousands, upwards of 17,000 Cherokee uh, natives out of the Southeast, out of Georgia, you know, forcibly at, at the point of a gun and move them to what is now the state of Oklahoma, which happens to be Elizabeth Warren's home state. Um, and thousands died along the way. And here he is with Andrew Jackson in the background, one of the most vilely detested presidents by Native Americans, um, rightfully so. And he has him in the background as this is being filmed, as he is supposed to be honoring these men for their service. Of course, when all this was brought up, Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, had to point out that, uh, you know, she doesn't know why no one's pointing out that Warren was lying about her background. And why is no one talking about this? Well, it's because it happened in 2012, and this happened with Trump in 2017, and he's president and she's a senator. That's why, Sarah, um, I'm, I'm losing words. Uh, I don't know what to say. And, of course, uh, the National Congress of American Indians, uh, which is the largest and oldest group uh, representing Native Americans, has condemned Trump for using the use of uh, saying Pocahontas. But you know, he's not going to stop. He'll bring it up again next time Warren opens her mouth or says anything or does anything because, again, he just can't help. Well, us. you know, Sanders saying that this is fine and that it's not a racial slur, then what would qualify as one? I mean – She's acting in the role of uh, Joseph Goebbels back in in Hitler's uh, Germany in the 1930s and 40s. I mean, she's our minister for public enlightenment and propaganda. And Kim, that's, that's something I really want to bring up. Um, I think it's kind of not, not, a, not a new segment, but a segment I wanted. I wanted just to speak for a few minutes. Similar to what you do with uh, Kevin's corner, although uh, I'm not going to be as as nice, I think, or as as calm. Um, I was going to write stuff down, and I, I ended up not writing it down. So I may just be speaking from the heart. So so bear with me here. One of the things that has really bothered me over this last week and a half, uh, it really has been Sarah Huckabee Sanders' response to the Muslim videos. Uh, that really has nothing to do um, with the topic of the videos. It's the fact that she is saying it does not matter if this is true or not. The White House, Donald Trump, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, basically the Republican Party right now is saying that not only does truth not matter, we're ha- we will happily share false news, share propaganda, share whatever we need to do to make sure we get our way and to convince our followers that what we're doing is right and righteous. And it sickens me to my stomach. And now you may be listening to me and saying, oh, you know, here's another snowflake going on against Donald Trump. Here's another cuck who's not happy with how the Republican Party is going. But Kevin, you know this about me. I was a registered Republican for 17 years. I worked for a Republican member of the House of Representatives. I worked for the Senate, uh, Senate Finance Committee as a nonpartisan staff working with both Democrats and Republicans. So my previous credentials with the GOP are just as strong as anybody else. I've been a Democrat registered for the past, what, less than a year now um, because, you know, my views have changed as, as things have gone. And I've seen throughout my time a bunch of really great people who are Republicans, a bunch of great people who are Democrats, a bunch of people who I think, while they may not be speaking out right now, are probably sick to their stomach uh, with what they're seeing. Probably people like Jeff Flake who uh, know what they're seeing is wrong. 
but they not speaking out. And if you go back to history. I don't want to bring certain things up, but it's when people don't say anything and they don't speak out is when the worst things in our history happen. Um, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm too angry, but you know, there's no other way to sound. I am angry. And uh, Sarah Kavis Sanders should be ashamed. Uh, and I, I will do my best going forward to uh, be as unbiased as we, you know, it's like we, we like to tout that we don't take sides. But uh, after some recent events, I just couldn't help myself. Uh, so, Kevin, I hope I have been able to uh, express myself uh, in, in a clear uh, way. And uh, I'll turn the floor over back to you. <laughs> well, Jesse, thank you for that. And let me say that there was no shortage of events to draw our ire over the last two weeks. You know, first, it's become apparent that the only thing of importance to Republicans in Congress is passing a bill, regardless of its expected effects on the American citizen. Rushing a bill that by all accounts will benefit the rich while leaving the middle class with a bait and switch is detestable. These senators are talking out of both sides of their mouths, and it's important for us to acknowledge it. Worse yet, the president's classless and reprehensible behavior should cause all of us to reflect on what we expect from the behavior of a president of the United States. Donald Trump insulted not only Muslims, Native Americans, and a former congressman turned talk show host, he also insulted human decency and American dignity. To make such bold and irrational claims without fact is irresponsible. To base such statements on unsubstantiated evidence is careless and damaging to our democracy. Perhaps the most disheartening thing, however, is the fact that those around the president refuse to call him on this. Dictionary.com's choice of complicit as the word of the year makes more and more sense with each passing day. Said much more eloquently than I would, Kevin, so... Thank you for that. Uh, before we leave, uh, we should probably mention that uh, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, Congressman John Conyers is retiring today, uh, a.k.a. resigning uh, after all the backlash to some of his uh, exploits in the past regarding uh, his female employees. Uh, he's he's saying his son should take over. I would say, let's just get the Kanye name out of there for the moment. But, you know, it's, it's, what's going to happen is going to happen. But uh, I, I'm glad to see uh, at least one member of the old guard moving on. Uh, and God help us if we see Roy Moore uh, win his election and, and join Congress because um, there's no place for people who uh, treat men or women that way uh, in in a body we hold so dear as the U.S. Congress. Absolutely. All right, that was a very heavy episode, Kevin. So uh, I'm looking forward to to wrapping up here. Uh, we'll, we'll, I think we have a couple episodes going in before the end of the year. Uh, I, I'm sure we, you, you can excuse us. If we don't have anything the week of Christmas and New Year's, but uh, and Kevin, you know, Hanukkah is coming up for me for the uh, for the agnostic Jew. Uh, I'll be looking forward to getting some presents for that. <laughs> Absolutely, we'll be looking forward to lighting the menorah with you, buddy. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'll be over your house uh, teaching your children and giving them presents. It'll be fun. All right, so until next time, Kevin, uh, I, I can't say it's been fun, but it's been an experience. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Later. Later.